Good morning. Um, today's reading is from Mark 12, 13 to 17. Just got to find it. <laughs> Paying the imperial tax to Caesar. Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew the hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Thank you, Margaret. Let's pray and we'll have a look at this passage. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you. It is uh, good for correcting and rebuking and teaching in righteousness, that it is breathed by the Holy Spirit. And as we open uh, this confrontation again, Lord, as, uh, as Jesus is being entrapped, uh, we do pray that you help us to understand it and to apply it to our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in 1789, and I'm sure everybody here has heard, uh, heard it, but uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, he wasn't a president of the United States, by the way, just in case you thought he was. He was the direct, first director general of the postal system and, uh, and uh, an ambassador of France. Uh, but he wrote a letter to Jean-Baptiste Leroy in which he famously said, and no doubt you have heard it, in this world nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. See, I think it's not just certain that we'll all experience death and taxes. I think there's one more certainty uh, in death and taxes, and that's everyone will try to avoid both death and taxes. See, two years ago, Australia spent an estimated $202 billion on health goods and services. And why do we do that? To either prolong our life to avoid death, or just to avoid death altogether. But more interestingly, I thought, was taxes are certainly something that everyone is trying to avoid. Tax havens cost the Australian government about $6 billion a year from lost revenue. And did you know in 2016, uh, a, a tax avoidance task force was established by the federal government? And this year, it's been funded $1 billion to try to stop people avoiding tax. Now, obviously, they're getting a $1 billion because they're recouping a lot more than a $1 billion of avoided tax. See, and this is nothing new. Whenever you try to take someone's life from them or make them uh, give you their money, they will resist. And it was no different in Jesus' day. People did not want to die, and they certainly did not want to pay their taxes. And even more so, the Jews, the Israelites, did not want to pay the imperial tax, which was to the Roman Empire. 
who were lording it over the Israelites. See, and so in our passage this morning, we have Jesus confronted with a question about tax, but there's also a question in there about death. See, it was designed, this question, to trap him so they could lawfully kill him. Well, if you have your Bibles, have a look at verse 13. And it begins with saying, Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. Well, who are the they? It's the Sanhedrin. Uh, We've been introduced to them over the last uh, chapter. Uh, They're the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. But this time, instead of going to, the, to him themselves, they send a delegation. Uh, they, send, uh, they, send, uh, they send the Pharisees and the Herodians. Now, the, Phar- the, Hero- the Pharisees, well, they were, they were all over the law and they were the ones you went to to find out how you kept the law. But unlike the chief priests and the, the teachers of the law and the Sanhedrin itself... They were more liked by the people. And if you remember back to chapter 11, um, the, big, the big question or the big grapple uh, that the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law had was that they didn't want to upset the people. Well, now they're sending the Pharisees who the people liked, but they're sending them uh, with the Herodians. Now, the Herodians were Israelites, but they, they were actually on board with the Roman Empire bringing all these good things to Israel and they were on board and they advocated to accept that the Roman rule uh, was there and to pay your taxes. And so what's interesting about this delegation is that you've got two conflicting ideas about taxes coming together to try to trap Jesus. And after the previous episodes... Uh, where the others were made to look like fools by Jesus, I don't think there's much question that they have spent some time deciding how they were going to try to trap him. And I think the question that they pose is, uh, is, is a very good one. Uh, I can imagine that uh, if there were a bunch of journalists going to interview the Prime Minister, they would spend time in, uh, in, the, in, a, in an office trying to figure out what exactly they were going to ask to reveal exactly what this Prime Minister thought about a certain topic. Well, we're told in verse 14, they came to him, uh, they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay it or shouldn't we? See, I don't think um, there is anything worse than someone coming to you uh, with words of wonderful things about you and how much they uh, acknowledge all the good things when you know, you know they just don't like you and they're out to get you. Uh, I worked for the Australian Defence Credit Union for a number of years before I was a pastor and I was in management. And one day the, uh, the HR manager, she was a very imposing figure. She was, stood about this much taller than me, about this much broader, and she'd love to stand over you and speak with a really strong voice. And if you were male, you had no, 
choice but to cop it from her. So when she called me into her office to have a meeting, you were on your guard. And she started by saying things like, Adrian, we know that you're doing wonderful things in our loans department. But I I didn't hear any of that because I knew it wasn't true. She was just preparing me to try to trap me. And then she brought up something that had happened a couple of days earlier and said, when you said this to this person, and I knew straight away that she was trying to trap me in order to show that I was discriminating against uh, one of my employees and she wanted it to make it out that I, because she was female. See, when someone does that and starts buttering you up beforehand, uh, it's, 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 it's almost like the greatest insult because they think you don't know what you're talking about or they can't perceive things. See, and this is what's happening here. They are flattering Jesus um, and it's the driving force uh, behind, if, if you look at uh, what they're saying, they're, they're actually telling him the truth. They're saying, teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. And that word is the, for integrity in the original language is, is the only time it appears here. But we know through other things that it is talking about integrity, that it's someone who's not swayed by public opinion, that they're not willing like a politician to go back and forth on the truth in order to win votes and popularity contests. And they say this, uh, you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, you aren't swayed by others, you pay no attention to who they are. See, they're saying the truth. But if they really believed what they were saying, well, they would follow him and they would listen to him and they would have uh, not come to entrap him. See, they're saying this because the crowds are around and they want to affirm to the crowds that, yeah, they, they're actually doing the very opposite to what uh, they're, they're saying Jesus is all about. That's the great irony here. But then they present to him a question. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Now, they've thought this through. That's a yes or no answer. There is no middle ground here. Should we or shouldn't we? See, most of the Israelites would have resented paying the imperial tax. It was about a day's wage and the tax collectors would have come asking for it. And they felt that because they were a nation in and of themselves that should be sovereign, then any, anyone over them, well, that was, that was resentful. They didn't want to pay it. So if Jesus said yes, they knew that perhaps the, the, the people would question his loyalty. Perhaps he's more for the Romans. They may have found something to polarise his popularity because that's what were the issue was here. They couldn't get the crowds to dislike him. But if he said no, then the Herodians could take that to the Roman officials, and no doubt they had uh, friends in high places in Rome, to say this man is leading a rebellion against the Roman Empire by saying that people shouldn't pay the taxes. It's a great question. It's well thought out. So, Jesus, should we or shouldn't we? But we're told that Jesus knew their hypocrisy and he calls them out publicly. In verse 15, uh, we're told, uh, he says this, 
why are you trying to trap me? Why are you trying to trap me? See, the answer to that rhetorical question is to kill him. We know that from the previous chapter. He's, he's, he's just revealing to them, why are you trying to trap me? Uh, hang on, he's not meant to know we're trying to trap him. Oh, he's all over this. Now we're in trouble. He's aware of what we're trying to do. But then he goes on and he says this. He says, why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So they brought him the coin and he answered them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Now, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. All right, so if anyone's got a 10 cent piece in their pocket, you could pull it out. That's about the size of what the denarius was. It was accepted as the payment of the imperial tax to Rome. So that's what they would have handed over. Uh, And crowds are around and as they're waiting for his answer, they start fumbling around going, quick, give him a denarius. He gets a denarius and he says, whose image is this and whose inscription? And they all say, Caesar's. It's a teaching moment. And at this point in history, we know that this is the coin that he was holding. And on that image on the left there, that is is the image of Tiberius Caesar Augustus. He was the ruling Caesar at the time. And the inscription around him says, and I don't speak Latin, I had to look it up, um, but I'm told it says, son of the divine Augustus. You see, in the Roman Empire, Augustus is considered their God, a God. So here it is literally saying Tiberius, the current ruler of the Roman Empire, is the son of their God, the son of God. And on the other side of the coin that you see there, that is a picture of Tiberius clothed as a high priest. And it said, literally, the high priest. Uh, I think it, I can't really remember, from memory, it's Pontus Maximus. There you go, there's your Latin. Pontus Maximus, the high priest. And Jesus points to this and says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So what does it mean? Well, it isn't cryptic. He's saying, yes, pay your taxes. That's the law of the earthly kingdom you're a part of. So pay your taxes. See, he's not aligning himself with the zealots that were working in the background to try to overthrow the Romans. He's actually not saying, and he is sorry, he is saying that we aren't here to uprise and cause a rebellion against, against and try to establish the kingdom of God on earth and, and overcome it with political and military might. He's actually gone the other way. He said, no, pay your taxes. What he does do, however, is create a clear distinction in his answer between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of the earth. And it's a clear distinction that places a claim upon your life. 
So if you think this through, he's saying that when someone or something has their image inscribed on it, imprinted on it, then that person who has that image has a claim upon that thing. The object is issued by the ruler, in this case a coin, to his or her subjects as a reminder of who they are and under whose authority they, uh, they exist. For us, it's now King Charles. Isn't that exciting? Over the next couple of years, we'll have our coins changed with his head on it. And every day you decide not to carry coins like me, I'll only have notes in my wallet. It's purely because I don't want to be reminded that King Charles is my earthly sovereign. So now let's all ban coins and go to notes. But you see, it's a reminder because he has a claim on my life. I sit under his authority. And whether you like it or not, ultimately we are still a monarchy under his rule. And his government, which has been put in place in Australia, well, they can decide to take some of those coins back from me simply because they have issued it, I am under their authority, and the taxes to take some of that coin back is their charge and the way they are ruling, so they have a charge upon my life. But the remarkable thing about what Jesus says here is he says, yes, pay your taxes to Caesar, but he effectively says, give to God what is God's. In other words, also give back to God what he has a claim on your life. Pay your taxes to God. Tiberius may have a claim upon the coins, but God has a claim upon the lives that are issued in his image. Think back to Genesis 1. We are created in the image of God. It is a fundamental distinction of humanity against all other creation. We are in the image of God, which means we have God's imprint on us, which means we live under his authority in the land he's given us, and we should give back to him what we owe him for giving us our life. And what is that? our very lives, to live in his abundant uh, garden, to walk with him in the garden, to live in under his wonderful, gracious, merciful, uh, perfect rule. See, notice here also that God says, uh, Jesus doesn't say reject the authority of the rulers of this world. See, Jesus is on the final path to his death to pay the ultimate tax. Because in Genesis 3, and what we so often remove out of the gospel or the story of humanity, is the fall. Where we have taken that image and we have said no to the one who has given us that life and we have effectively started printing our own coins with our own image on it. We rule our own kingdoms. We don't like to submit to anyone else's authority. And so we start issuing to the world coins made in with our image printed on it. Look at my kingdom. Look at this. And we start building our own kingdom and reject the one that has given us that very life. See, and as Jesus is telling this, 
He's saying to all those listening, God is the one who has a claim upon your entire life. That is what is God's. Yes, pay your taxes. Yes, do what the government asks of you. But render to God what is God's. Give your very life back to him. And we call that repentance. We call that turning away from that rejection. It means a literal U-turn and back towards and within the authority and the realm of the one who has imprinted his very image upon your life. See, Jesus is saying, repent. And he's saying, come back under the authority that has given you that image. And one of the remarkable things about the early church is that they, I think, got this understanding very clear. We are to give our taxes when they are called upon. doesn't mean if there's laws to get around them. You can go see Peter and he can help you get around those uh, within law. That's fine. You can minimise your tax. That's okay, as long as it's lawful. But when you know you can claim $300 in expenses without the government coming knocking, do you really have those $300 in expenses? When you get that cash job in the hand, do you really take that without revealing that to the government? You see, the early church, one of the frustrations with them is as they were trying to be persecuted... No one could find anything against them. No one could find anything to actually persecute them for. They paid their taxes. They lived good lives. In fact, it might be Peter's letter. Talks about living quiet lives. Uh, Paul talks about uh, living under the submission of the authority of the rulers of the earth. And to be good citizens. But you don't give your life to the earthly rulers. What we do know is God has placed every earthly ruler in place. Daniel is a great... uh, We went through Daniel a couple of years ago. God places sovereign rulers. We saw Nebuchadnezzar and and Darius and all those uh, rulers that Daniel would pray and affirm God's sovereignty knowing that these rulers had been put in place even though they were persecuting and asking things of us. And so we submit to the authority, but we give our life to the Lord. And so within the authority of the earthly realm, we continue to grow God's kingdom and we continue to do things in which to bring him glory. And it's the way we do things. I think uh, for some of you, submitting to your authorities at work can be difficult. They're asking things of you which maybe you're not comfortable with. Now, if they're illegal, that's fine. You've got avenues for that. But if it's legal, then that's hard. If you're at school, which I'm not sure anyone in here is at school, but you need to submit to the authority of your teacher. See, I think as a church, one of the things we're seeing at the moment is more and more legislation coming in, which is making it very hard for churches individually to be compliant. There's not just safe churches, and they've all got good intentions, don't hear me wrong, but we have to have position descriptions for every volunteer role. We have to give you induction training. We have to, uh, we have to go through all these processes as if we're all paid 
by the church and we're a big organisation. Well, how do we respond to that? Well, we pay our taxes. We, we submit to the authority. And so we've employed Annalise as the compliance officer. And that's a good thing. And that's been great already, um, being able to work out some systems. And it's going to get harder and harder for churches to be compliant. It's the reality of it. See, the more we go away from a Christian ethic in our world, the harder it's going to become. But we're called to be good citizens. We must submit to the authorities. And when we're kicked out of schools for SRE, we'd be creative. But we submit to the authority. And why can we do that without too much fear, without too much worry that the kingdom of God will not prevail? Well, because God is sovereign. God is the ruler. God is the one who puts them in place. And ultimately, God is the one who sent his one and only son in order to pay that tax on our behalf, to die on the cross and to be raised again so that we, when we face God, we owe him nothing because he himself on that cross has borne that uh, payment, that punishment, what we owe him. And so now we can walk in freedom, submitting to the authorities of the world, but also bringing him glory by proclaiming his kingdom. So this morning, I think Jesus is effectively just saying, don't fight so hard. Don't get your placards out and start rebelling in ways which is unlawful. Yes, have a voice in parliament. Yes, uh, put your views. But that's not the ultimate goal here. The bigger picture is the kingdom of God. We have a hope far beyond this world. And we can trust that God is in control of everything that's going on here. So are you paying your taxes? And the flip side of that is like Jesus, if you are being persecuted and as we become persecuted more and more and as other countries are, are you avoiding death or persecution simply because you don't want to suffer in that way for the kingdom? See, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to continue to live out my faith. I'm going to pay my taxes. But regardless of what you say against me, my life belongs to the Lord and I will never stop proclaiming his kingdom uh, in his land to the people that are made in his image. So pay your taxes, but give to God what is God's. For as Matthew uh, quotes, Jesus is saying, for the things... Uh, the, the things of earth uh, will... Don't put your... Where your heart is... I'm going to forget it. Someone, you know this passage, come on. Um, sorry? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a song. So, um, <laughs> render to God what is God's. Uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, for the things of the earth, don't put your trust in the things of the earth, uh, which where moth and rust destroy, but in the things of God, where moth and rust cannot destroy. I'm very sorry for paraphrasing and getting that wrong. Uh, let's pray. Father God, uh, we do thank you for uh, your word. We thank you that, uh, that you have uh, given us uh, a kingdom here to live in, which uh, in relative terms is very free, Lord. We do thank you that we can... Uh, pay our taxes and not be burdened 
uh, without a, a quality of living which uh, enables us to build your kingdom. But Father God, we do pray that as we, as we go about our walk uh, on this earth, you help us to submit to the authorities, to be good citizens, to live quiet lives uh, in submission uh, without any fault. But at the same time, Lord, not to render our entire, entire life to the kingdoms of this world. But Father, to uh, hand back the, uh, the coins that we have engraved with our own image as king and, uh, and restore you as the one who has the image over our life. So Father God, bless us as we go through this week and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.